mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Heals That Have Helped Me. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 121, verses 1 through 8. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. Well, I want to go to the Word of God, and uh, I want to read out of the book of Psalms, and uh, it's in Psalm 121. I'm going to read the entire chapter. There's just eight short verses. And uh, this is a scripture that, that spoke to my heart many, many years ago. I was in a camp meeting, a great camp meeting down in Louisiana, and heard one of the great old preachers of our time uh, that was preaching that day, and he, he used this text. And it so uplifted me that over the years, I have I've preached from this text a few times, and I just felt to visit it again today. Uh, and I want to just, just get right into the word. Psalm 121, verse number 1, David says, I will lift up my eyes, listen, unto the hills. I'm going to look up into the hills from whence cometh my help or where my help comes from. He said, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Amen. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. God never falls asleep on the job. But he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade, thy covering is what that means, upon thy right hand. Amen. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. I like that. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Father, thank you for the word of God. We pray your blessing upon us as we minister today. Your word's forever blessed, settled in heaven. And we want you just to help us to, God, to preach it today and do it no harm. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I want to talk just um, for a little bit on a subject that I'm going to entitle, Hills That Have Helped Me. I want you to notice that David said, I will, look up, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills to where my help comes from. He was saying, listen, not the hills and mountains in Judea, looking about to see the inhabitants of them or if any people were there to help him and uh, let, if anyone was there to bring him distress. But rather he was referring to specifically here the hills of Moriah, the hills of where Zion was, where Calvary was. In, the, in his day it was where the ark of God, the symbol of God's presence was. And... Uh, to whom he looked for assistance and deliverance, or to heaven. In other words, he was saying, when I look up to these hills, it's symbolic, looking up to the presence of God, and looking up to the Lord, amen, to him that dwells there. 
I started thinking about this idea, and this is the thought that got hold of my heart, that hills often to us represent struggles. Recently, I told the church that my 42-plus years of ministry, back when I started, it was just a young preacher. If I'd known some of the things that I would walk through, some of the valleys that I'd go through, some of the mountains I would have to climb, I would have probably turned and ran in the other direction. But standing here 42 years later, I look back over the past, and this is the statement I made, I don't see those valleys. All I see is that succession of hilltops that God brought me to after every battle, and he brought me to victories. Amen. I remember in 1972, I was drafted into the Army and uh, during the Vietnam War, and I was at Fort Knox, Kentucky in August, in, well, July, August, and in September for basic training. And, of course, that was a very hot time of the year. And there were a couple of hills there that they had named Misery and Agony. And we would be marching uh, uh, in formation, carrying a full field pack that weighed probably somewhere 50 to 60 pounds with all of the gear that we had. And we would march in, 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 uh, uh, in formation, sometimes a speed march, sometimes slowed down just to, uh, just to a... a, a a steady walk, but the whole point was climbing those hills, up those hills and down those hills. There, there was a struggle, and many times people would, would collapse under the load. Amen. Many times they would become so fatigued or overheated, and they would, they would fall under the load. And many times in serving the Lord, I want to tell you there's been some hills that we've had to climb, that looking back now, I realize that they were opportunities for God to get us a victory. Amen. Sometimes those hills are a test. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 22, uh, there was a hill of testing or Moriah, one of the mountains that David looked up to as well. And it talks about Abraham. And it said in Genesis 22 that uh, uh, the Lord spoke to, to Abraham and told him to, amen. Let me, let me just go back over there for a moment. In Genesis chapter 22, the Bible said, and it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. It says tempting, but literally the word means to test him. And said to him, Abraham, and, Abraham, and he said, behold, I am here. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moriah. Watch this. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. And so Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled the, the ass of the donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse number four said that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. I want you to notice that this was a test that God was putting Abraham through. He told him to rise up early in the morning. He told him to go on a journey. And he was going to take his son and he would offer him up. Of course, this is all typical and a type of Jesus. For three days, Abraham is walking with 
what is in effect a dead son. He's, in his mind, he's going to die when he gets to the place. And on the third day, he comes to Moriah. And when he gets there, he, he, he builds the altar. He takes with him the wood and the, you know, and the fire. And on the way, Isaac looks up to him and says, My father... And he says, yes, my son. He said, I see the wood for the fire and I see the fire that you brought. But he said, where is the sacrifice? Can you imagine the breaking in the heart of Abraham as he said, my son, God will provide himself a sacrifice for us there. And when he gets there, he takes his own son and he ties him to the altar and he has the knife and he raises it up and he's ready to take the life of his own son because this is what God required of him at Moriah. What a test it was. And when he raised his arm up to start to plunge downward with the knife, your Bible says that God called unto him and stopped him and said, I know now that you love me and you wouldn't withhold your own son. You know the heart of sacrifice. And he looked around and there was a ram caught in the thicket and from that day on they called that place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, or in the mount of the Lord, the provision will be seen. I want you to know that God sometimes allows us to go through tests. Sometimes our faith is tried. The Bible said the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. There have been many great men who've had to walk through horrible trials and tests only to find that the grace of God sustained them and the power of God delivered him. The Bible said in Job chapter 1 and verse uh, number 18, when Job was going through all this, it said, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, amen, they were telling him about everything that he'd lost. And they said, your daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house. Amen. Your sons and your daughters. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And he said, only I am escaped to tell you about what happened. In verse number 21, the Bible said, Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return, amen, to the grave. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you read through that story of all that Job lost and how that his uh, friends came and accused him, how that his wife said, curse God and die. But Job retained his integrity. And the Bible said that through all of this, he never sinned, neither did he accuse God falsely. But he came out on the other side, and he had twice as much in possessions. God, amen, gave him back the children that he had lost. Not the same ones, but new children. The Bible said they were fairer, and they were better. God restored the man because of his faith. I want to tell you that tests and trials, amen, sometimes the trying of our faith it builds patience. It builds character in us. Amen. It helps us to understand that in Christ we can do all things, that Jesus is our example. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, Jesus was in the in the Gethsemane praying, and he was about to be arrested. He was about to be beaten. He was going to be falsely accused and tried by unworthy men. 
and then he would be crucified. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, he said, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Paul the apostle would later say that Christ, amen, endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before him on the other side. That simply means that he knew one day they may take my life, I'll lay it down. But he said, if I lay it down, I'll raise it up again. God has given this to me. And the joy, amen, of the cross for Jesus was knowing that he would, amen, he would demonstrate the power of the resurrection that would be real in the lives of every believer. I want to tell you today, folks, the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. I'm so glad today that I had the privilege over the years to hear some of the great old preachers and be acquainted with them. And I mentioned Brother Tommy Schooler and some others. I've sit and talked with them, heard them tell the story of their testimony about how God brought them through difficult times and how God sustained them when the enemy would come in like a flood, how the Spirit of the Lord would raise up the standard against him. I want to tell you that this God we serve is faithful. Amen. He'll carry you through the times of test. I want to tell you, the Bible said, think it not strange when you're in a fiery trial. Amen. Don't despise the test that God brings you to because when you come through them, you'll come through like fire or like gold tried in a furnace. You'll be purified. You'll be stronger. There'll be character built in your life. You'll realize that the enemy maybe hit you with his best shot. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat but I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail and the wonderful thing about tests and trials to me is the fact that I know that it's not by might nor it's not by power but it's by my spirit says the Lord and every valley I've walked through every battle I've faced every victory I've won it's not been me but it's been Christ in me Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, I've found that to be true. I've found that in the darkest hour, that's when Jesus' love shines the brightest. Oh, hallelujah. I've found that when I've been the weakest, that his strength is made perfect. Amen. In my weakness, I've found that no matter what come my way, I've been able to, to hold on and walk through by the grace of God. Hallelujah. So when I started thinking about the hills that have helped me, I, I thought about, amen, about the hill of testing, about Moriah, how that God blessed me. Another hill I've thought about is one that I'm going to call the hill of holiness. Amen. Old Mount Sinai. Do you know that the scripture says that we're saved by grace? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, so many quote this scripture and then try to misappropriate a part of its meaning. Some have the opinion that grace allows you that uh, to be saved, which it does, and you're saved by grace. Amen. That's a gift of God, and, not, and that it's not of yourselves, it's a gift. And some allow themselves to believe that that grace allows them, amen, then to live any way they want to. 
and sin, amen, doesn't have any consequence because of grace. But listen to what the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. That, honestly, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. But then verse number 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Unto good works. Works don't save us, but God saves us to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, God is saying, amen, that uh, you won't walk very far with God until he begins to regulate your life. You'll find that living for God, there's some thou shalts, and there's some thou shalt nots. It was at Sinai that God gave Moses the commandments. And in Exodus chapter 20, I, I just kind of, I didn't put these on the screen, but I just want to mention them. Uh, in verse number one, God gave the commandments and God spoke all, the, in verse number one, it said, God spoke all these words saying, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Listen, thou shalt not kill. Amen. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, I was thinking when I was reading this, when they took the Ten Commandments down out of the school and out of the public places in the courthouse, it opened the door for the abortionist to, to skip over, thou shalt not kill. It opened the door for the adulterers and those that want to cheat to skip over, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness, which means you shouldn't tell a lie, amen, against your neighbor. And then thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his maid manservant, or his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. These commandments were not suggestions. God gave them to Israel to regulate them. He's also given us commandments, amen, and leadership of the Holy Spirit to regulate us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, Follow peace with all men. Watch this. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. It says to look diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. I want to tell you that there's many people, amen, that never go to a church that never do anything to serve the Lord. They're not faithful to God. They hadn't been in I heard one of my preaching brothers on the radio today say they hadn't been in church in 30 years and still they claim they're a Christian. I, I want to tell you that God, you know, going to church doesn't save you, but after you're saved, it'll keep you walking straight. I want to, I want to say this, water baptism doesn't save you, but after you're saved, amen, water baptism is a witness that you've died with Christ, been buried with him and rose to live in the newness of life. And I want to tell you that God put these things in our lives as Christians, the Word of God, amen, to read it. Amen. David said, I've hid his Word in my heart that I might not sin. Jesus said, 
amen, when the Holy Spirit comes. He'll bring all things to your remembrance, everything that I've told you. Let me translate that, the red writing in your New Testament. The Holy Spirit brings it back to you, amen, and reminds you. So all of a sudden, holiness becomes important. You have to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Can I say this? There's a big uh, uh, right now going on. They're trying to affirm a, a dear lady for the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is a, is part of our uh, governmental system. Amen. We have the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. But I want to tell you to the child of God, the Bible is our Supreme Court, and the Holy Spirit is our chief justice. Hallelujah. He's the one that guides us and lets us know what the law says, what the Word of God says, what the new covenant says, and how we ought to live to please God. The Bible said in Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. The third mountain I want to bring you to is a mountain called Rephidim or a mountain of intercession. I want to tell you that I was thinking about here recently for some reason when I've been preaching, the Lord has brought to my mind a couple of times, amen, about Stephen who was stoned to death. And the Bible said he was stoned and calling on the Lord. He saw heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I want to tell you, Jesus was making intercession for him. And your Bible said that even in the midst of a stoning, suddenly there was a look on his face like an angel. Can you say amen while you're listening to me? In, in Exodus chapter 17, God was guiding his people. Amen. They'd come out of Egypt. They'd come through that Red Sea. They were uh, on their way through the wilderness. And the Bible said in chapter 8 that Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, uh, choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek. And then he said, tomorrow I'm going to climb the hill of Rephidim. I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, amen, and Aaron and Hur went up on the hill Rephidim, went up to the top of the hill. And the Bible said it came to pass when Moses held up his hand and that Israel prevailed. And when he would get tired and let down his hand, the scripture said that Rephidim prevailed. And so Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone, and they put it under him. And uh, he sat there on, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands or held up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited or defeated Amalek and his people, amen, in that battle. God was saying, I want you to know that you have intercessors that are standing for you. Amen. Jesus, amen, li ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit, he comes to be a, a paraclete. That's a, one that's called alongside 
to help us. Amen. The Holy Spirit, amen, is our comforter. He's our helper. He intercedes for us. The Bible said he prays through us with groanings that can't be uttered. Amen. We Pentecostals believe in praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. And when we do, the Bible said your understanding is unfruitful, but your spirit, man, is edified. God intercedes through you by praying in the Holy Spirit. And so today I want you to know that God is making a way for you. The scripture said in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 1, amen, that, uh, uh, that Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex the church. And verse number 2 says that he killed James, amen, the brother of John with the sword, amen. And the, the Bible went on and said that when he did, that God began to move for them. Listen, the Lord knows that we need intercessors. He knows that, that uh, we need people to help us, praise God, to be able to stand strong against the enemy. And so in the Mount of Intercession, Amen. When uh, Moses went up there, uh, uh, there on Rephidim and held up his hands, and then when the Scripture said that the enemy had reached out against the church, he said it because in Acts chapter 12, verse number 3, amen, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, and these were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartians of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people, in other words, to put him to death. And Peter was put in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him, and God brought him out. Listen, I want to tell you, thank God for intercessors. Thank God that the Holy Spirit stirs people up to intercede, to pray for us in our time of need. Amen. Hallelujah. The last one I want to tell you about is the hill of blessing. When you and I walk through these valleys, we climb these hills with God. We go through the hill of testing at Moriah. We come to the hill of holiness at Sinai. We come to sometimes to Rephidim where we need intercessors or God calls us to be intercessors. But I want to tell you that sometimes the Lord is just waiting to bless you. I remember many years ago we went to Israel in 95. My wife and I did back in 1995. And then I went back on another trip later. But one of the times in 1995 where we were there, we went out to a mount called Tagba. And it's, a, it's the Mount of Beatitudes. It's right next to the place where Jesus, amen, fed the multitudes with the fishes and the loaves. And the Bible said in Matthew chapter 5, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set down, he called his disciples. They came unto him. And the scripture was set, goes on to say that he opened his mouth and he began to teach them. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to tell you how to be blessed. Amen. The Bible said, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the poor in spirit simply means those that are hungry for God. And then he said, blessed are those that mourn, those who are grieved because of their sin, those who are convicted and they're broken because of sin. They shall be comforted. And then he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, the Bible said Moses was the meekest man 
on the earth. And it does, meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness means power under submission. Amen. Power under the control of the mighty God. And so blessed are the meek. Those who are under the control of God, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said they shall be filled. That word blessed over and over again means happy. And then he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Then he goes on to say, blessed are the pure in heart. You see, this is all about your heart being right with God, being born again. God said, I'll take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, for they shall see God. And then he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Oh, I'd like for somebody in Washington, D.C. and around our country to hear this today in the midst of all this unrest. Blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. And then he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we said that a while ago. There's times you're going to be trusted, just tested, just hold on. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. I want to tell you, as we learn to serve God, as we learn to be faithful to God, we learn to walk through the test. We learn to walk through the trials. We learn, amen, to, to trust Him and, and allow Him to stand up and intercede for us. When we learn, thank God, to, to hold on by faith and please God. God. He brings us to that place where he calls us blessed, amen, where he calls us highly favored. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there's never going to be any trouble. There, Jesus even said sometimes that people will speak evil against you. They'll talk bad about you. But he said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So because so persecuted they, the prophets which were before you. I want to tell you that every one of us that have lived for God very long, we've had to climb some hills. We've had to walk through some valleys. Amen. I remember hearing the story many years ago. I can't remember the sister's name, but uh, they, these, these two ladies were, were actively involved in church and in ministry, and they were singers, and one of them preached, and they were in revivals a lot. And they were out in a community not far from where, close to where they lived. And... Uh, and while they were there, they were in, in a meeting. And one night, the Spirit of God moved and, in a tremendous way, and people were saved, and they were just rejoicing. And on that, after she left the meeting that night, she was met outside and told the horrible news that her daughter had been killed. And they said she fell to her knees, and she was weeping. And, and all of a sudden, she stopped weeping, and she started singing a song that started coming to her. And that song was, I'm going to walk right out of this valley, lift my hands and praise the Lord. I'm not going to let old Satan get me down. Why should I sit here till I die? Heaven's waiting up a little bit higher. I'm going to walk right out of this valley and, and praise the Lord. I want to tell you, folk, there's no doubt many times we'll be in a valley. But we'll find that as we lift up our eyes and look up to the hills that God God has got a plan to bring us on up a little higher and give us another great victory. And I trust today that if you're watching me, no matter what you may be going through, what you may be wrestling with, I trust that you're, that you're looking up 
Amen. If you, if you look down, you can never ascend to the heights that God, amen, has, has for you. If you look around at all the things that are going wrong and all the distress that's in our land, it'll discourage you. But if you'll keep your eyes on him, Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We don't need to look to the right nor to the left, but we need to press on and serve the Lord. There's been some hills that we've climbed, but there are hills that have helped us to be strong in the Lord. Amen. And set our hearts on you. Lord, come and we hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.